bad. His name's bad. bad. <laughs> How do you know? Um, um, I am. Him. <laughs> That's like the best part of that movie. It is one of the best parts because Bilbo is so just over there crap. He's just, he's just, he's just sitting <laughs> he's there like, with well, his arms folded like, mm, I asked him. I asked him, you know, because that's what people do. Yeah. He is mm. over there crap. I'm going to watch those again. Actually, I think that's the plan this weekend is to watch all of it. Oh, really? Oh, I don't know if I got them on the, on the flex. I don't know if I got it's them. It's okay. I don't even know them. if I'm going over there now because oh, it depends on what our parents sick. do. Because people are sick and I don't have time to be sick. I'm dreading going home. I've been gone. Do you have to go home tonight? Yeah, because I got to finish packing. Oh, lame. Yep. Just like sneak in, like in the middle of the night. Got the, like the T-Rex arms. Yes. Can you wear a T-Rex costume? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll just like hum the Pink Panther. Yes. Just sneak in and pack dun, and then sneak back dun, out. Maybe the sickness dun, won't get you dun, if it's dark. Dun, 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 dun. I'll follow you. With, <laughs> I'll follow you. With, <laughs> That would be kind of amazing. <laughs> Why isn't our life a reality show? Because uh, we're lame. lame. Actually, we're actually not that cool. But we do have a Wattpad now, so that's cool. That is cool. Um, our very own Wattpad, very minus Wattpad. our like personal accounts. Oh right, yeah, because <laughs> that probably would have been smart to make that clear. <laughs> yeah, but it's just Chronicles of Fiction. Is it a capital F? Yeah, capital C, capital F. So no capital for Chronicles and then capital F for Fiction. Yep. No spaces. And you can send us stuff. Um, DM us. Um, I'm on there pretty frequently. Um, and I also get notifications. So, like, if you send me something, then I'll, I'll see it. Um... And so that's something that I can I will definitely respond on, because it's. So yeah, recommendations, yes. comments on anything, mm-hmm. especially anything? while we're reading Scenes of Rune. Yes. Um. Also, I just put on there all of the contest entries for the Distant Lands Awards. Um. So if you, they're all listed there. Um. The. Deadline was, I think, a few days ago. So, him and I are now reading all of the entries. And there have been some really good ones. That's good. Like, we're going to have all of the stuff to read. Like, even the ones that some of them, you know, only somebody can win. But right. Like, but, like, wow. That's awesome. It's going to be, it's great. Um, so, yeah, y'all go check that out. Send us stuff. Send us recommendations to Somebody read. Please send us memes. <laughs> Besides, I just, I just want one. Like Caleb, I really appreciate the memes. But if somebody else would like to send a meme, just one, just one, just one. Oh, I'm gonna post birthday me those birthday. Um, oh yes, please do. Because um, tomorrow's my birthday. Tomorrow's birthday, and she's gonna be older. I am. <laughs> I am. We're not gonna talk about how old. 27. I'm surprised you even knew that. <laughs> yes, I will be. I, I will be 27. That's funny because I, I can remember everyone else except for Michael. <clears throat> Michael's the one I always get confused. He's either 23 or 24. He's 23 because all of us are uneven numbers. Except for him. Right. And now me. And so he's gonna be. He's gonna. So hit we're an all. Even we're number. yeah. We're all gonna go on on odd numbers, and he's gonna go on even numbers. Yeah, because he's. A problem child. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right then. 
It probably made very little sense. Yeah, to everyone, but it made sense to us. It made sense to us. All right, well, we're going to dive into this. Is there anything else we need to go over? Um, I don't think so. See, I don't remember much from last week. Yeah, no, me either, because we did it really fast last week. Yeah, because it was a short. Yeah. Um, I don't think so. I think we're... Good. good to just start reading? Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to start with chapter 10 today. We'll probably read chapters 10 and 11. Are we good for those? Like. Yeah. Okay. Because <clears throat> someone's got to get home and finish packing for her trip. Yep. Lame. Four days. I'm Move on my four-day weekend, so. Yeah. Living it up. As in... She woke up. Like, and then I woke up. Before I got here. Yeah, and it that is twelve fifteen. Yeah, she's not lying. It was pretty great. It nice. I don't think I went to bed till after one though. So. Oh. That to be fair. Nice too. I was out by nine thirty. Yeah, because I got home at ten thirty from work, and then we watched the new Halloween movie. Oh. So, which was pretty great. I want to just like watch a movie. Actually, I like movies if I go to the theater. But I don't really care watching them at home. I don't. I think it's a commitment thing. That's so weird. I know. I love watching movies. But the new Halloween was really good. Anyone on here that's fans of the Halloween franchise, the new one was really, really good. I enjoyed it. I haven't seen any. Oh, no, but you, I, know I don't know if you would like them or not. I don't yeah. know if you like, like, horror slash suspense movies. Uh, but then sometimes you maybe. just gotta see a good one. Yeah. Although I saw, like, part of it. It's I feel like different though. I, I Which like one of the new ones? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I feel like if I would have started, because like I watched like 15 minutes like right in the middle, so I didn't quite understand what's going on. So I feel right. like I would have enjoyed it more if I. Right. And it is a little bit different because it's just it, it's they deal with some of the I don't want to say supernatural, but more of just like an imaginative horror aspect uh, of it. That's more see, Stephen that's King's so imaginative, whereas. Halloween is more like this could actually happen in real life, like a serial killer type thing. You know, let's stick with it. <laughs> because I listened to two episodes of My Favorite Murder and then I'm calling Caleb high. I don't want to go outside by myself. Uh huh. Yep. So, but it was really good. I really enjoyed it. But that's why I was, I said I drank half of a sleep drink and so I was just out till. Thankfully, I rolled over and looked at my phone and it was 11 o'clock and I was like, Oh, yeah, she's probably going to be here in like mm -hmm. half an hour. I better get up. Mm-hmm. It's fine. <laughs> I'm not doing anything. It's my birthday weekend. True. I'll sleep if I want to. That sleep. It's my birthday. Sleep. I will sleep if I want to. That's me. Okay. <laughs> okay, then. <clears throat> Chapter 10, Enemy at the Gate. Let us know how you guys are liking this book, because I'm very much in love with it. I'm always excited He's to read more. He's convinced <coughs> I haven't read it. He's like, you haven't read it. I was like, I swear I read, I read it. Because at that point, I was, like, terrified of everybody on the internet, and so I didn't vote or comment. Oh, yeah. Until, like, the third book, and then I would, like, comment occasionally. Right. It's like, no, I read it. <laughs> I just don't remember anything. <laughs> short-term memory loss. Short-term memory loss. I don't believe this. 
No, no, it's true. It's true. It runs in my family. I, I mean, I mean, at least I think it does. Hmm. Where are they? Can, Can I help, help you? you? <laughs> I don't believe this. There's something wrong with you. Really, you're wasting my time. <laughs> I have to find myself. Hello. Hello. <laughs> <gasps> Name's Bruce. <laughs> well, hi. <laughs> I could keep going. Oh, I but know. We have a, the whole movie. But we have a podcast to do. <laughs> well, that'll be our, that'll be our side podcast. Why does this shock, right? <laughs> <laughs> if you don't know what she was quoting, then we can't be one, friends. One, you're lame. And two, it was Fighting Nemo. And three, and we can't should, be friends. And we can't be friends, but you should still watch it. I don't care. If you are 20 years old, you still need to. I don't watch care for 40. If you haven't seen Finding Nemo, you, you haven't seen Finding Nemo. Exactly. <coughs> Literally the best and probably most quotable Disney Pixar film yes. ever. Yes. I love it. That and Cars. I feel like Cars is made Cars quotable. is pretty quotable. I do quote that one all the time. Okay, chapter 10. Okay, okay. <laughs> we got this. Enemy at the Gates. Start reading. The keen thrill of battle still coursed through my veins even after the last of the enemy had retreated. However, as I glanced around and began counting our losses, it began to slowly recede, leaving me flushed and breathless. Still scattered on the battlefield, three of our men lay dead, crimson blood tarnishing their armor. Around around twenty green-clad men littered the field, their bodies stained heavily with their own blood, seeping into their cloaks and hair. It had been a relatively clean victory for us, fortunately. But how had they found us in the first place? How had they known where we camped, where we were camped? Suddenly, hearing footsteps, I turned to see a soldier approaching me. He wore the distinctive red scarf of an officer, the thin cloth fluttering loosely in the wind. Your bravery today is commendable, he said in a thick, runic accent that I almost couldn't understand. I shall tell Lord Carnar of it. Well done, son. Heartily, he clapped a hand on my shoulder, squeezing it in praise. And though I couldn't see most of his face, the wrinkles around the man's eyes indicated that he was smiling. Thank you, sir, I said, and saluted crisply. The officer readily saluted back, then turned on his heel and trotted off to check up on the rest of the men, I assumed. Sighing, I glanced around once more. Hadar stood over the body of an enemy soldier a short distance away. A mournful look was on his face as he stared down, almost guiltily. Brofurring in slight confusion, I made my way browfurring in slight confusion. I made my way over to him, sheathing my sword. Around us, Easterlings took the bodies away one by one. It is a sad thing, Hadar murmured as I approached, almost as if talking to himself, that one should die so young and so far from home. Interested in my friend's train of thought, I followed Hadar's gaze to the enemy soldier's face. The man was no older than me and had flowing brown hair. What once would have been rather well-kept was now matted with dark blood. The young man's countenance was frozen in fear, as though he had felt much pain in his last moments. Why must we fight one another endlessly? Hadar asked rhetorically. Rhetorically? Nobody wins. This man lost his life, was cut down before he could truly live his life, and I survived. But next time it may be me that dies. Someone always dies. Sighing softly, he looked meaningfully up at me. Are these men truly evil? Are they responsible for the sins of their ancestors? Feeling a spring of emotion well up in my stomach, I didn't answer. Instead, looking down at the ground, 
I wasn't quite sure why his words were so meaningful. They were just said with so much conviction. But more than that, I knew deep down that he was right. Wincing, I pushed the thought away. If it were true, I had the blood of innocence on my hands, and that wasn't something I was willing to accept at the moment. Listen to me, Roquel, Hadar exclaimed, firmly placing a bloody hand on my shoulder. He shook me gently for emphasis. Why are we even fighting? What possible reason is there, is there for this to go on? My head snapped up and I locked eyes with him. Because we have a sense of duty to our country. Our country relies on us to keep them safe. You may not understand, you're a mercenary, but I do. Hadar's eyes widened in disbelief. The country that enslaved you? The country that killed your friend? You're choosing to side with a country that has done more evil than you can account for. When did you deceive yourself into believing you owe them anything? They murdered someone close to you and you're just going to stand with them? His words burned and I felt the familiar feeling of defensiveness rise within me, tying a knot in my stomach. Do not speak of that. Do not. Eyes flashing in rage, I turned stiffly and strode away. <coughs> Who was he to speak like that? He didn't understand. However, deep down, there crawled a small worm of doubt, something that could not be ignored. But I pushed it away, not willing to believe that I was fighting for an evil cause. If I believed that, I'd have nothing to fight for, and I had to fight. <clears throat> the next morning, we continued our march. The sun rose in the east as it always did, its soft golden light fighting to break through the thick fog that rested idly on the plain. It was almost beautiful. As we walked, the brittle dirt crunched under our feet, creating a cloud of dust behind us. At first, no one minded at all, however, it did become an issue at midday. We had just come to an area where the road grew wider and the landscape was greener. Suddenly, we heard the orcs take off at a run, hurrying past on either side in a blur, disregarding the marching order. They loped past us into the front of the line, causing the whole army to falter. The steady march stopped. Halt! An Easterling officer shouted. <clears throat> the lines paused in their step, at least the ones who hadn't already to stop because of the interference. We all stood in confusion, unsure of what would take place. The org's leader was a brute named Ergbuzz. Despite, despite his hunched, bow-legged stance, he stood a full head taller than any of us, making him a rather intimidating orc. He stepped forward confidently, approaching Lord Karnar. We want a spot in the front of the line, Ergbuzz declared making a strange choking sound in his throat. Lord Karnar looked demeaningly down at him from atop his black seat. I have assigned you to the back. You're under my orders. Obviously unsatisfied by this, Ergbuzz growled and sped on the ground near Lord's feet. Karnar didn't even blink. Ah, I don't much like your orders. Neither do my boys over here. He sneered disrespectfully at the Easterlings. Immediately, as one great crowd, we all drew our swords in defense, the sound of steel being pulled from its scabbards filling the air. <clears throat> it was rather intimidating, and we numbered more than them. Now uncertain, the orc looked at us in fear and with no small amount of disgust, but he wasn't going to risk his life, not now. Fine, he muttered stiffly, but notice, a happy soldier is a good soldier. With that, he ordered his foul company back, and they passed with growls and sneers. We kept our swords in hand, brandishing them at the orcs. We'll have no more insubordination, Lord Karnar shouted to still the clamor. The next to disobey or challenge orders will be executed. He glared at Ergbuzz, who suddenly started setting a spot on the ground below him. Seeing the sudden quiet, Karnar nodded and swung his horse around. We continued our march. Naturally, there were no further incidents. Ooh, so this is switching to third person. I'm guessing. Yes. 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 
Boromir watched what? I just saw Boromir. Oh. Boromir watched carefully, staring over the white walls of Kaer Sirion? I don't know. Okay. I shouldn't have asked. With a trained eye. The land around the city was unfamiliar to him as he hadn't been there often. Below him, he could see the Anduin following along the northeast of the city, and he listened idly to the sound of its constant roar. This was a beautiful city. Kaer Sirion, tall and majestic, was one of the northernmost cities of Gondor, and being in the north, it had its fill of strange characters. Dwarves often came through the... Dwarves often came through selling wares and purchasing the fine jewelry that the city was known for, and on occasion they even came to live there. Men and women of Rohan were also a frequent sight. The city was situated at the meeting of the Entwash and the Anduin, and so many people found it an easy place to come and stay, but its distant location also made it a prime target for enemies. It had been pillaged and rebuilt too many times to count. However, the people were proud to say that it was now the strongest it had ever been. Despite this, Boromir was still worried. Gondor's forces were stretched thin as it was, but if they won here, and that was a big if, they could possibly be strong enough to retake Osgiliath. But that was a far distant hope. That was something that would only happen if they didn't lose too many men. Yet, if they lost, the Andu- is it Anduin? Or Andu- and- Anduin? Anduin? Anduin the Anduin would be under Sauron's control. Bormir couldn't let that happen. He was pulled away from his thoughts when he saw a movement outside. Ten men approached the city gates at a run, clearly tired. Their cloaks were torn and bloodied, and some of them ran with distinct limps. One of the men in particular he recognized well. Faramir, what happened? Boromir cried from atop the wall, his voice booming across the plain. The gates creaked open, and Faramir ran through, looking disheveled and fearful. He had obviously come from a fight. Quickly, Boromir descended the stairs and met him in the courtyard. Their forces are strong, very strong, and well-trained. These are no mere tribesmen we face. Faramir explained breathlessly, distress written on his face. It was clear he and his men had run the whole way. Slow down, brother. How many are there? Were you able to get a count? Boromir asked, putting a hand on his brother's shoulder. Faramir looked him in the eyes. Yes, but it isn't good. There are around 600 Easterlings. They have Southron mercenaries, perhaps about 50. And there are 100 orcs. They have more than doubled our own forces here. Faramir looked at his brother grimly. Nodding, the older brother observed Faramir's garrison, or what was left of it. How did so few of you survive? He asked, changing the subject. There was less than half of what he had sent his brother out with. The Easterlings recovered from our ambush quickly and launched a counterattack. We would have survived, but for... He trailed off thoughtfully. But for what? Boromir pressed, his brow furrowing. furrowing. It's nothing, Faramir said evasively. Boromir frowned, but respected his younger brother's face. When he wanted to tell him, he would, and rushing it would do nothing for him. I'm glad you're alive at any rate. Smiling, he put an arm around his little brother. He didn't know what he would have done if Faramir had, had been a part of the casualties. It would have likely killed him inside. We should send a messenger to tell father, Faramir said meekly, averting his gaze to the ground. Boromir sighed quietly. He knew his little brother couldn't possibly take another lecture from their father. Not now. Nonsense. He doesn't need to know. We'll just tell him that an enemy army is on the move. Boromir waved it off with a shrug, leading them to the top of the wall. As they both watched the forest on the other side of the river, there was a small silence. A good silence, despite everything they were going through. 
They'll need boats if they mean to cross, Faramir observed suddenly. That or they'll cross north of the city and attack from the west. Boromir glanced over at the western wall, which was significantly smaller and weaker, and silently agreed. Faramir had a point. Then we can't let them cross, he added firmly. You're right, but we do not have enough men to face them in an open battle. We'll have to send what's left of your men to harry them if they attempt the crossing. Faramir raised an eyebrow. I don't have enough men to effectively hold them. You have enough to make the crossing difficult for them. Then you can retreat back to the city and he, uh, he stopped abruptly. What is it? Faramir anxiously followed Borbir's gaze and his jaw dropped. The Easterlings had come. And now we're switching back to Rukil's point of view. <clears throat> the, city's, the city stood tall on the far side of the river, gleaming white in the sunlight. I stood calmly with the rest of the formation, watching from our vantage point on the bank of a river. We looked expectantly out at a city across from us, observing its exterior and surrounding lands. It had to be admitted the structure was impressive. Large white sun-bleached walls were the first thing I saw, followed by a dark banner that, wore, that bore a white tree. It waved proudly on the ramparts, whipping and fluttering in the crisp wind. I could also see the outline of two men atop the wall. They seemed to be speaking to each other. <clears throat> At the moment, they seemed oblivious to our arrival, but suddenly we were noticed, and one of them jumped in surprise, pointing and yelling at us. His verse alerted other soldiers. Pushing ahead of us, Lord Cornwall rode briskly to the front of the line, ten of his bodyguards trailing behind him. The feared... Ugh, cataphracts? Their horses were massive, heavily muscled from flank to neck, and covered in scaled golden armor. Two curved horns protruded from their metal masks, giving them a demonic appearance. They were something to be feared. While the horses seemed menacing and evil, even they could not compare to their riders. The men on top were just as, if not more, intimidating than their dark steeds. They wore hamlets similar to our own, though horns protruded from them that matched those of their mounts. The armor of their soldiers of their shoulders spiked upward, making the men appear taller than they already were. They carried long, cruel lances that bore the banner of Rune. They were, fitting, they were a fitting bodyguard, especially to one so majestic as their lord. At the head, Karnar turned and faced us, his eyes filled with fire and determination. He knew how he wanted this day to end. <clears throat> My loyal men, today we have the honor of being, of being the vanguard, the first to fight. Take pride in yourselves. He paused as if to savor the moment. A buzz of uncertainty and excitement ran through the group. For after us, what happens today, war will follow. A great war. Some of you have never been in a battle. Some of you have never killed. Some of you don't want to take lives. Once again, Karnar paused in his speech, drawing it out meaningfully. He wanted to make sure everyone understood and heard him clearly. This was not a speech made on a whim. This was important. But today you will. Killing is not desirable, nor is it always right. But you must understand. Sometimes it must be done. Sometimes we have no choice, and that is much shameful. Today is one such time. Blood will be spilled. Many on both sides will die. But I will do my best to assure that the city runs red. Not with our blood, but with theirs. Remember your families, remember your people, and most importantly, remember this day, which will be remembered as the beginning of the final war. The crowd cheered, the roar rising to a deafening clamor. I readily joined in with my comrades, the crowd sweeping me away. Together as one unit, we raised our mighty weapons and shields, rattling them together. I was sure the people of the city were shaking in their boots if they hadn't been already. Wearing a look of steely determination, Lord Karnar raised his sword into the air, and the battle of Kerr 
Surreon began. I'm tired. It's getting real. It is getting real. Is it gonna load? I don't know. Yay, internet. Ooh, that's a cool picture. That is a cool picture. I feel like all the chapters have a lot of cool pictures. Yeah, all the illustrations are really good. Okay. Nine minutes. Okay. I had been unexpectedly summoned by Lord Carnar just after the battle begun. I was now in his tent, along with around twelve of his officers. I had waited while they were given orders, slightly confused as to why I was there. After all, I wasn't an officer, but it was soon revealed to me. Rukil, Lord Carnar said as he turned to face me. Captain Ordun told me of your valor during the ambush at Degorlud. It's rare to see such leadership, so I have chosen you to lead a, a special mission. At this, he leaned over the table and unfolded a paper which had a rough map of the city drawn onto it. <clears throat> the wall that we are currently facing is tall and very thick. We would be able to breach it, but it would take time. And we do not have time, as each hour we tarry here, the chance of Gondorian reinforcements arriving increases. However, a scouts have told us that the western wall is weak. In fact, it is made of wood. He pointed to the western part of the city, where a thin line represented the wall. A culvert runs through it that lets the ant wash flow through. <sighs> oh, excuse me. This culvert is covered by a metal grate. The metal grate is designed to keep boats out. However, an individual soldier could slip through easily enough. He locked eyes with me. That is your task. You will sneak in through the gate, through the grate at nightfall and open the main gate of the east wall. Our soldiers will be waiting to strike and move in. I trust you and you alone to lead the force infiltrating the city. <clears throat> and I trust you to pick three good men to accompany you. I saluted. I won't let you down, sir. Lord Connor smiled and picked up his battle-worn helmet from the table. That is why I chose you, Wilkill. Now go. Choose your companions and choose wisely. I picked my way carefully through the battle lines, making sure to stay behind the archers who fired periodically at the walls of Kyr's Syrian. Catapults had been hastily constructed by the engineers, and these two were firing upon the enemy. The rocks fired from them were first drenched in oil and then lit on fire. They launched the flaming rounds over the walls in an attempt to burn the city, and it was clear that their attempts weren't entirely in vain. Occasional cries of agony came from the city, and as I glanced toward it, I saw the thick black smoke wafting up from behind the walls. Although I was fascinated, yet somewhat horrified by the spectacle, I forced myself to focus on my task. Right now, that was finding Hadar. I had decided that he and Brand would be excellent choices to accompany me on my mission, as they were the only men that I truly trusted. I assumed Hadar was with the rest of the mercenaries, and I was correct. They weren't all hard to find, either. Unlike the Lokren, who stood in silent attention, the mercenaries were laughing loudly, and they seemed to be rolling dice of some sort. Several of them looked up as I approached. What are you doing out of formation, Easterling? Get lost? A small, skinny Herodrim was warrior asked. He had a ring through his nose and was completely bald. His large ears and long crooked nose made me think of a rat. No, I'm looking for someone, I said firmly, trying to sound in charge. Well, you must be looking somewhere else, the skinny man said, stepping closer to me. I glared down at him, not even slightly intimidated. I called his bluff. He was merely trying to act tough around his friends. As if on cue, Hadar appeared from behind several other mercenaries, grinning and holding a pouch of coins in his hand, which he quickly stuffed into his pocket. 
Parash lay off. He's a friend of mine. Hadar shoved the runt out of the way as he approached and looked at me quizzically. I need you to help me with something, I said vaguely. I wasn't sure how secret our mission was, but despite me not giving details, Hadar seemed to understand and nodded. Count me in, he said with a grin. I am, I'm in too, a quiet voice said from behind me. I turned in surprise to see the mysterious man from the camp standing there, the claw-like blades on his hands silently clicking as he ran his thumb and forefinger together. He wore a red and blue scarf that covered his head and face, but his green eyes still shone unnervingly in the twilight dark. <clears throat> Seeing him now so close to me, I realized he was tall, taller than me. I noticed the strange foreign-looking daggers at his sides. I glanced uncertainly back at Hadar. He shrugged. Your name? He asked, turning back to face the strange man. I have no name, he murmured, but some call me Fox. Where do you hail from, Fox? I wanted to gain as much information about him as I could. I didn't trust him. <sighs> Where I come from does not concern you, only my ability to fight, he said, his voice devoid of any accent that I could discern. Then no, you can't come, I said sharply, turning away. What made him think I'd let him in? Suddenly, I felt a hand on my arm that roughly spun me around to face him again. I have orders from Lord Karnar. He has ordered you to let me come. I'll ask him for myself, I asserted. No need. I have a written missive here. He pulled out a piece of parchment. It bore Lord Karnar's seal. I sighed in resignation. Although I was somewhat confused that Karnar hadn't mentioned the stranger, there wasn't much I could do now. Very well, but you're under my orders when we're in the field. Understand. He, I narrowed my eyes at Fox. Perfectly well, sir, he said the words monotonously, clicking his claws together unnervingly. Hadar, do you know where Brand is? I asked, turning to face the burly <coughs> Herodrim. Yes, I'll go retrieve him, Hadar said with a salute and trotted off toward the army. Fox and I both stood in silence, sizing each other up. Something about the man unsettled me, but I couldn't quite put a finger on it. Hadar returned a moment later with Brand in tow. The blonde man was dressed in the armor of the low grim, minus the helmet. I understood why he didn't like wearing it. It was hot and heavy. All right, you three, follow me, I said, glancing at each of them in turn. I didn't trust Fox, but even if I didn't trust, but even if I didn't, I trusted the other two, and I could keep an eye on the stranger easily enough. Hadar nodded in agreement as one of the four of us plunged forward into the darkness. And as one, the four of us plunged forward into darkness. I was like, what? We reached the ford without incident. The riverbanks were steep on either side, except for a narrow dip in the land on either side of the river that formed a crossing of sorts. I surveyed the far bank with a careful eye, looking out for any sign of the enemy. We were a mile or so north of the city, but I still expected that the Gondorians kept a close watch on the ford. Suddenly, I saw movement in the bushes a little way downstream. I ducked down and kept an eye on the brush that the motion had come from. It's one of them, Hadar whispered from beside me. He squinted watchfully on, out into the night. As he spoke, I caught a glint of steel from the bushes. You're right, and I doubt he's alone. I glanced over to speak to Fox, but he was gone. Curse him, I hissed quietly in frustration. I glared at Bran. You were supposed to be watching him. Bran looked bewildered. He was just here a moment ago. Our side in annoyance. We don't need him anyway. Brand followed the river upstream and I stopped in shock. At the far side of the river, Fox emerged from the underbrush where the Gondorian soldier had been and gave a thumbs up. I raised an eyebrow. He must have dealt with a soldier, Hader, soldier, Hadar said, confused. We all stood and I hesitantly returned the thumbs up, then crossed the ford. 
The water was freezing cold. Ugh, but it only came up to our knees. Still, by the time we reached the other side, my feet were stiff and numb, and I couldn't move my toes. Oh, my back hurts. Did you slip down? Uh huh. Did you do something to it or just. Nope, it just. Hurts. Yep. <laughs> Your birthday's getting to me. And my sock is coming off. And my feet are cold. Oh. And you have socks on. Yeah, I do have socks on. How does the water get that cold without freezing? Hadar said, teeth chattering. <clears throat> Neither of us were used to the cold. Welcome to the West, Bran said with a smirk. The cold water hadn't affected him as much. I gave everyone a moment to dry off, and meanwhile, I surveyed the area. This side of the river was more densely wooded with large conifer trees, the like of which I had never seen casting their large, heavy bows over us. The city was barely visible from where we were, but the fire from the catapults lit up the sky above it, making it easier to see from our vantage point. It would take a while to reach it, even longer if the enemy attempted to stop us. I turned to face Fox, who was sitting on the ground drawing shapes in the dirt with his blade gauntlet. What'd you do with the soldier that was here? I asked. The strange man continued what he was doing and didn't look up. I took care of him, he said simply. Where's the body? I pressed. I took care of him, Fox repeated quietly, yet with a hint of annoyance that couldn't be ignored. I decided not to press the matter further. We make for the city, no talking unless it's completely necessary, I whispered as I forged ahead into the undergrowth. Nothing could be heard but the dull stridulating of crickets and the soft breathing of my companions. As we neared the city hours later, however, we heard the cries of the soldiers within, as well, the, as, well as the occasional crash of a catapult round striking of a catapult round striking a building. My companions and I stealthily approached, coming to a stop in some bushes and a short distance from the wall. The city itself was on fire, and most of the Gondorian soldiers were preoccupied with putting said fire out, leaving the wall above the culvert unmanned. I smiled grimly at our good fortune and surveyed the culvert itself. It was just as Lord Carnar had described it. Thick steel grating covered the entrance, barring the entry of boats. However, the holes in the grating were easily wide enough to slide through, even for a wide-shouldered man such as Hadar. The water going through was chest-deep at most, and it would only be a matter of wading through a short distance to the culvert. I turned my head to face my companions. Hadar, go through first. Make sure it's clear on the other side. Then Brand will follow. Then Fox. Then me. Hadar nodded and ran forwards, and silently dropped into the river. He waited until he was nearly shoulder-deep, then reached the culvert. Grabbing the grating with strong hands, he pulled himself up and through, and pulled himself up and through muscles rippling. After he dropped down on the other side, we could no longer see him from where he stood, and I began to worry. I had nothing to fear, however. For a moment later, he appeared at the top of the wall and waved. Bren glanced at me, then slowly made his way through the culvert, leaving me and Fox alone. The strange man continued to make me uneasy. Perhaps it was his strange green eyes that seemed to look through me. Perhaps it was just the inhumanly inhumanely calm way he behaved. Whatever the reason, I didn't like it. Suddenly, he turned to face me. You're made for more than this, he said, he whispered, narrowing his eyes. Before I had a chance to respond, he took off towards the culvert, melting uncannily into the shadows. What in Morgoth's name was that about? I thought to myself. I tried, to think, I tried not to think about it, but for some reason, those simple words still resonated in my head. Why was I here? Was I meant for something more? Now it's not the time for mind games, I mentally reprimanded myself, especially not because of the words of a stranger. Why were his words affecting me so much? Shaking my head dismissively, I jumped forward and determinedly made my own way to the culvert, while the seeds of doubt began to eat away at the back of my mind. And that is the end of chapter whatever.
Eleven. I think. Eleven, I think. Oh, you're very good. Very good. Very much is oh, enjoying it. Did you vote on it? No. Nope. Then I am. Or not. Or not. It's just not gonna load. Oh well. You tried. I'm not even gonna, not even gonna fight with it. Oh. Well, alright then. Anything to add at the end of this? Um. Ooh, while you were reading it, I had an idea for an int one shot. Oh yeah? Oh yeah. But I don't wanna say yet, because it's not a full thought yet. Good, then write it. Could be in. Could be an end. I'll be um, waiting for it then. <laughs> you know they're my favorite. Yeah. Um, I think next week or the week after. Oh, wait, no. I think he's only wanting us to read the ultimate winner, not just the round winners. So we'll okay. have winners to announce. Okay. So that will be coming. Are you guys going to work on that this weekend? We're going to try and get it done before. Okay. So the next, um, I guess he's going to do that today. Okay. I guess I'm supposed to do that today. <laughs> Shoot. Because <laughs> I'm not going to have any time tomorrow. Yeah. Um, but, and then he's going to do the next okay. one, which I think he's decided on a location, but I'm not going to say it on air because he hasn't announced it yet. Okay. But I'll tell you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but I, I really like, I really like this next place. I think it's going to be really good. Yeah? Um, yeah. It's a little more, if he decides to go with that one, it's a little more common. Okay. But it's not Mirkwood. <laughs> oh, well. I like my Law Florian. Now, there's an idea. Because Markwood is, it, it's like Mark the Shire. Is it's like, oh, yeah, overdone. But La Florian, I think, is really cool. Not it to is. mention the elves there are pretty interesting. It'd be hard to get, because you'd get a lot of, because um, we talked about a couple places. That one didn't come up. Um, but we're afraid of getting your typical. Right. Um, it would girl be, falls in love with. It would, would be cool, too. Blonde. I'm just saying. Hmm? It would, would be cool, too. I'm just saying. Yes. <laughs> Actually, Bangle, that that would be a yeah, I know. That would be an interesting idea. Yeah, I know. Because that would be difficult. That could be like our later round. Right. And you, would, <clears throat> it's it'd be hard to mess that up with character. Although, so far there haven't been any. I've been so proud <laughs> of all of these entries because we haven't found. I, we're not done reading them, but there hasn't been any elves. Oh wow. Which. Like I love, yeah. I love elves as much as the next person, when they're in the right place. Right, right. If they're out of place, like there shouldn't be, there. If you're gonna put an elf in the Shire, there should be a very, very, very good logical reason. Right, right. Um, True that. Be very difficult to do. True that. But yeah, so that's where that's going. Alright, so I guess we'll be announcing some winners soon. Yep. He's doing best cover as well, which okay. is so cool because a lot of the covers are like super cool and I'm yeah. glad I don't have to make that decision because I'd be like, and here's all of them. five of them. Here's <laughs> all of them. <laughs> uh, yeah, because there's, there's some really cool covers. 
That's awesome. Um, I guess that's it. Do you have anything to I don't add? think so. I don't think so. You're really interesting today. Yeah, I'm tired today. <laughs> it's my day off, man. <laughs> you're just not awake yet. I'm just it's not like, that you're tired that you haven't woken up yet. That too, yeah. Plan on going back to sleep, actually. I mean, go for it. I want to go back to sleep. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. All right. Well, till next time. Till next. Be safe on your trip, blah, blah. Thank you. Have fun. Y'all should see the glare she's giving me right now. Yeah. She's like, Super have hardcore. fun. Super hardcore. <laughs> but all right. We'll yeah. record again sometime next week whenever you get back yeah. and get have Tuesday, some free time. So. so probably Thursday. Yeah. All right, guys. Till next time. We're out. We're out. Bye. Bye, Felicia. <laughs> Bye, Felicia. <laughs>